security. What is it and do you or your business need it? It's not just about sensor lights, padlocks and chains or making sure your password has uppercase and a symbol. It's about safeguarding what's important to you and your business. Our expert guest in all things security is CEO of Calamity, Daniel Lukovitz. Hello, welcome. Hi Angela, thanks for having me. So when we look about, when we think of security, let me say, um, we think of people, property, information security, digital data, IP and other. And I was actually fascinated to work out that information security is like the preemptive of anything cyber or digital or because you have physical information that you want to safeguard as well right. in your office. So in the last few years, this term cyber has become very trendy, but the problem is that tends to limit it to computing and internet and black boxes with flashing lights without realising that often it's the information assets of yeah. an organisation, the intellectual property, conversations you have around the workplace, those things are all valuable as well. So you need to look at all of those things rather than being caught up in giving money to IT companies that are trying to sell you a little black box. And that was what I didn't, I, I guess I hadn't actually understood because I also thought it was data, digital data. Mm. But then when I was looking through the information and learning that there was another reference in terms of in information security, I suddenly thought, well, of course, like in my office, I would have filing cabinets full of information that I needed to protect as a, as a physical protection that maybe isn't available digital or I haven't transferred it yet. But then again, as you said, there's IP, there's things in the office, there's people in the office. Right. And fundamentally, what organisations are trying to protect is assets. And those assets can take a variety of forms. Those assets, uh, the obvious ones, cash, jewellery, physical things that you manufacture or you store, but it's also your people, they're an asset, your intellectual property, mm -hmm. that's an asset, your funds, those are assets. And you need to take an overall look at all of these things because if you protect some of them but you don't protect the others, you're going to have a bad time. Banks are a good example. Um, most banks uh, put in... A good example of what? Well, they're a good example of addressing things across the board. For example, if a bank protected itself from armed hold-up, so they put in pop-up screens or bulletproof glass, so they could stop someone with a shotgun stealing $5,000 worth of cash, but they didn't also put in protection over their data systems that could stop someone stealing millions of dollars over the wire. They have no security. And so it's the same whether you have a house, if you have strong locks on the front door and a weak lock on the back door, uh, or you have a business where, for example, you've put in, you've paid for insurance, but you haven't thought about data integrity and other things like that. If you don't look at all of the things, uh, the security of any system is only as strong as its weakest link. And it's really important to identify what it is you're trying to protect and then make sure that you haven't left any vulnerabilities that someone can sneak through in order to attack those assets. All right, so let's start at the beginning. If you were, really you need to assess what you think you need to protect. Mm -hmm. So work out, you know, is it is it my people? Of course, it should be the people. But do you have property that needs protection? Like you said, do you have IP? So work it all out, what you really want to protect or safeguard against, and then assess if those individual things have already got great processes in place mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. Because that, that's the only way, right, is to sit down and break it down. Right, so not even step one. Step zero step is zero. work out what are the crown jewels, what is it here that we're trying to protect. Now... This stuff seems very overwhelming to people because there's so many vendors pushing so many products, but it's actually not that hard. Most of the security principles that we rely on, they've not changed in thousands of years. And you've said that before, mm. but really? Well, what is, okay, well, I'll give you an example. So I, I mentioned the crown jewels a moment ago. So a thousand years ago, there was literally the crown jewels, and that existed inside a castle, and that castle around it had brick walls, it had a moat, it had sentries on top of a fence, and it had a drawbridge. Now, you fast forward 
a thousand years to today, okay, well, we don't have moats and drawbridges, but we have firewalls, we have access control systems. A thousand years ago, you'd give a password to a guy with a bow and arrow standing at the top of the castle. That's true. A thousand years later, we still use passwords. So these concepts haven't changed, even though the weapons and the technology slightly have, but they knew what was important. What was important? Uh, the king or the queen, the crown jewels. And so in your organisation, what's the king and the queen? What's the crown jewels? What are the things you're actually trying to protect? And then you look at putting that defence in depth and those layers of protection around it. And it doesn't actually have to be that difficult as long as you know what it is that you're trying to protect. Because a lot of people, when they think about security or they think about crime, you know, they, they picture bandits in, in bandanas robbing themselves. So they think, oh, well, I don't have anything worth stealing. But you do. I mean, even just your client database, if that were leaked out and all of your competitors had it, you're going to suffer major loss. So organisations who might think, you know, I don't need an alarm system or I don't need cameras um, or I don't need you know, firewall or encryption, they probably do, but they just haven't considered what are the actual assets that are valuable to that organisation. And then you get to step one, which is, okay, well, now we know what we have, what can we afford to lose, what's it worth to us? And based on that, you can determine all the various countermeasures that help you protect it. Is it similar, Daniel? I mean, if we look at people, for instance, everybody has insurance for their people, so they've got workers' comp. But often what they don't do in terms of um, work health and safety is worry about protecting them during the job as well. So just because you have insurance, don't say, oh, you know, we're covered by insurance. You need to take steps to make sure that they're safe mm. so that you preempt a problem too. I mean, we've most SMEs that I know have a, a focus on well, we have insurance for our workers, yep. but they don't focus as much on making sure the processes are in place during the day to keep them safe. Right. So one of the problems that people have with insurance is that they see it as this big sort of protective blanket that will always but keep them safe. But it's not. I'll give you an example. If you're office building or your factory burned to the ground. Okay, insurance will give you a check eventually. It might be weeks, it might be months, it might never come, but theoretically they will give you a check. The problem is that it might take you months or a year to find new premises to rebuild and during all that time your customers have all moved on. So you've literally got the smouldering ashes of a building and soon after that you're going to have the smouldering ashes of a, of, business, of a business as well, as well and yeah. the insurance is not going to cover that. So these are things that you need to think about and even though most people now they you know they, they think okay I need insurance and they think I need a water cooler in the office because these are just things that offices and businesses have. What they don't always think about is security risk management not because it's difficult but just because it's not one of those things they think about they'll think about you know their branding and their marketing first and so usually the thing that makes people think about this stuff is after they've suffered loss when and it's of, when too it's too late. late and of course thinking about it before that happens is much smarter and that's why I love talking to people who are interested in this thing and can look at it and go okay yes this impacts me and work out how to fix it while everything's nice and calm and you can think about these things, rather than wondering, should we get some fire extinguishers while the building is literally <laughs> burning down around you? Where's, where's the hose in the bucket? Right. So is it safe to say that um, apart from having adequate insurance, mm -hmm. right, you also need to really holistically look at the whole big picture of the business? And we use the word resilience now, but it's, it, and it's thrown around for everything from emotional to physical resilience. But it, it is almost an extreme thought of, right, if the physical premises burns down, can I still operate a business of some kind somewhere? Mm. And that's the resilience, right? And the fact that no matter what happens, you are able to just keep going in some way. Right. Now, the, Another safeguard. the pandemic's been a good exercise in teaching people how to work offsite. So I think people now have a, have a degree of comfort that. about that. But one of the things also is that as well as thinking about all these things in advance, 
you also need to periodically reassess them because if you're a business that you know you start working from home or you're a small business and over time you grow the problem is when you're in that growth phase you're thinking about recruitment you're thinking about hiring you're thinking about marketing and you're not thinking well hang on our entire risk profile has changed and just like updating your business plan, your security risk management plan also needs to just have a bit of fine tuning every now and then. The same way, you know, with insurance on, in, on day one, you might be insuring a million dollars worth of assets. Five years later, you might have $20 million of assets. So if you're now underinsured because someone forgot to check that, you're going to have a bad time when it comes time to make a claim. So it's important just to keep an eye on these things over time. Well, I know that I've been um, speaking to a lot of SMEs lately, particularly on, on how business is going. And one of them was telling me how much their insurance was costing them. Mm. And he goes, oh, you know, I've got this big chunk for cash in transit. And I said, you're still taking cash? Mm. And he said, oh, no. And I said, well, you don't need that anymore. Mm. So it, it's funny how, as you said, the risk profile changed because they're not taking cash anymore because of COVID yeah. and everything is tap or a credit card and they were paying a hefty piece on their premium for it. So now that's all kind of they have to rethink how they do business. And by the same token, while they may have perhaps been overinsured there for something that they no longer require protection. They would have been underinsured. On other things like, yeah. say, data security or yeah. privacy breaches or other compliance Taking things that they haven't Taking online payments, yeah, and having that right. firewall. So they're protecting the these legacy things and yeah. they're not looking at their current state of play, which is what some sort of a periodic review might have actually caught. So how... How easy is it for uh, a business to get hacked into and to actually have... Is it more likely that a third party is going to break in and do something or is it more likely that something will internally happen and create that disaster? Well, look, every organisation has its own unique risk profile and it has its own unique assets and its own unique threats. So there's no way to answer that question for everybody and everybody would rather need to look at their own business and you know what are the threats and how to protect and them. where they're vulnerable and that kind right. of information that they have yeah but one but one of the things that's probably changed over the last say 10 to 15 years is that technology and, and these sort of security concepts are now prolific even in your home private life so 15 20 years ago I'd have to go into organizations and as well as looking at you know everything from terrorism which no one thought about till 2001 or physical security or or risk management or passwords or screensavers on desktops and you had to explain to people you need a secure password now you know even your aging mum and dad might still you know get these concepts because every single website out there now teaches them about password security two factor authentication things so a lot of these things now work and but of course that also helps the business because once upon a time 15 years ago you'd say well there's no personal use of the internet in the office and there's no personal mobile phones or whatever now but because not, all that real. is muddled together yeah. um, you, you know these issues on the one hand sort of tend to get improved across the board but at the same time coming back to what I said earlier about the security of any system only being as strong as its weakest link there's no point if your office environment has the best firewalls and encryption and procedures and so forth if someone can then take their laptop laptop home let the kids use it suddenly they're visiting websites leave and it, installing a whole bunch of stuff leave it on the train or leave it on the train or someone pinches it off you or using your mobile phone and having apps on it that allow foreign intelligence services to now access your sensitive information which is That's a, a problem it's a bit freaky so if we look at whether we have to put in systems or policies or technology to get the job done, you really need to work out your budget, mm -hmm. right? You can't, it's not a blanket thing. It's not like Well, there's no point go, spending a million dollars to protect $20,000 worth of assets right. or vice versa. 
Mm. So you need to be uh, real about assessing it. Yep. You need to get professional advice. Mm -hmm. Is it also about us changing our behaviours as, as individuals within a company and as owners of a company to say, well, we now need as part of our behaviour to understand that if we're doing something that's work-related and we've got personal, it could impact mm. and vice versa. So we, we really need to be mindful yeah. now of... of um, how we all act. Humans are one of the biggest weak weak links in mm. these chains. And so, you know, training your staff and creating a culture uh, of security is a good thing. So if your culture is about not letting people tailgate you through a door or not automatically opening every email or not sharing passwords in the workplace, that's going to establish good habits. Whereas if people see leaders saying, oh, can, I, can you just log into my computer for me or can you just put this file on a USB disk for me? That then sets the culture as well. Now, the problem is there's so much information out there that this can be really overwhelming. And, and for the most part, it's probably good to find a trusted partner who can actually take you on that journey. But remembering that it is a journey. I'll give you an example. Uh, people might ring a security company and say, you know, I want you to put in cameras. And, and they work fantastic on day one. Or someone says, I want you to put in a new software system. And it works fantastic on day one. But if six months from now you haven't given those cameras a clean or you haven't updated the software on a computer, that entire system that could have cost you a million dollars is now not worth anything because it hasn't had the sort of ongoing care and feeding that systems like that need. So again, it doesn't need to be something that overwhelms you. It's no different to really any other system in, in, in your office. I mean, you know, you get people around to fix the water cooler once a month, why not have people look at doing it? But it's just important to find a trusted vendor because there's a lot of them out there and a lot of them, you know, they're more than happy to take your money, just like insurers. But when bad things happen, you want a partner who's actually going to be there to help you through it or prevent it happening in the first place. And you don't know what you don't know as the customer, mm. which is why you need to seek good professional advice. Right. Because you're not sure about what to do. I mean, if we had all the answers, we wouldn't need a third party to help out. Well, once upon a time, if your building got broken into or staff got hurt, you knew about it. But now with a lot of information theft, yeah. in many cases, the first you hear about it is when it's on the front pages of the newspaper and that's too late. When, when something quite bad has happened, and we've all heard, you know, big companies who should have those big systems in place, then they get hacked all the time. Right. And your personal information gets released. And the, and the problem is that that can sort of trick smaller businesses into thinking, well, if they can't get it right, how could I possibly get it? But the irony is that often it's those large, really slow-moving um, organisations or you know, everything all the way up to government who are well-known for making mistakes, as opposed to small businesses that can change software very quickly, that can change a system. If they know something's not working, they can be really agile and do it. So they're very high-speed, low-drag, as opposed to these large organisations that have got this huge inertia behind them. So just because big organisations get things wrong should not ever convince you that small businesses can't get things right well and truly because they absolutely can. And it's very personal for the small business when things go wrong because it's their skin in the game mm -hmm. that eventually will get fleeced. Yep, and, and the, the, the gold standard is to be able to sleep at night. I, I, I'd like to go back to be able to doing that quite without worrying about it because you do, you worry about everything when yeah. you're the owner. You worry about whether everyone is going to be safe, whether something's going to break and it's going to cost you money. Mm -hmm. I mean, in hospitality, if our fridges went down, it was literally the end of the world right. on that day. And if we didn't have plan Bs on that, because it, it happened frequently. It, right. It's inevitable in that kind of world. Right. And you have to identify when something that that big does happen on the level of frequency, you need to be able to rely on something else to keep going. Yeah. I mean, and imagine if you couldn't get back up and running. That's exactly right. Which, which happens. Right.
And on that note, thank you very much for joining us today. I'll just say that very quickly. Uh, to Piedmont Studio, thank you for making us look and sound good. To everybody out there, because I jumped very quickly there, to everyone out there watching, thank you. We appreciate that. But please subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you'll get an alert when the newest episode of SME TV comes out. To the SMEA Association, thank you so much for your support to all of us, because without you, we wouldn't be here. If you have any tips, tricks, comments or stories, you can send them directly to me. News at smea.org.au and of course, we're across all the socials. I'm Angela Vithoulkis. This has been another episode of SME TV. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you.